Joes are in their studio. Over in Garland, Texas. Things you think you don't care about. Is back for season five. With brand new guests and fun segments. For your entertainment. You're gonna have a real good time. With the average Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Average Joe's Media. I am the Average Joe Boo. And I'm the Average Joe. Coming at you with a two-week hiatus. Glad to be back in studio. Glad to get back rolling. Uh, glad to keep this train moving. i tell you what, man. It's been a little bit since uh, we've been on the air. Lots of things have been happening. Yep, yep. You doing okay? You okay? Like, yeah. everything fine? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank okay. you for asking. Well, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes in this day and age that we live in, huh? It's important to take time out. Yeah. Reach out. Yep. Touch those that you care about. That's true. And uh, just check in on them. Yeah. Absolutely. Make sure they're doing good. Make yep. sure they're feeling fine. Yeah. I mean, I know I know it's football season. It sure is. And, uh, you know, Biden apparently won the election. Yeah, we think. And uh, COVID apparently is going away. Yeah. Uh, we think according to the news. Yeah. So um, it's important just to still reach out and ask if people are okay. You yeah. Know? I so. get the window from a glass. You must get the window from a glass. I get the step, he must get the step. I get the clock radio, he cannot afford. Great success. So, just a little little word from our friend Borat there. But, uh, uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Absolutely. So, uh, anyways, yeah. No, man, I'm good. I, I'm good. I appreciate that. I don't know. Uh, did, I, did I look like something's wrong or something? I mean, I got the hood on and stuff, you know. Well, I mean, it's. It's a little dark. It's yeah, that's true. It's a little you know, dark. Uh, I like to think we're basking in the light of each other right now. If you look, you know, if for is those that, of uh, is that where you're going, either okay. are watching the video. Okay, <laughs> but uh, hopefully we're looking nice. Yeah, absolutely. We've been watching a lot of Mandalorian. Uh, if you can't tell, we definitely have a bit of a Star Wars uh, uh, vibe going yeah, on. Return right of the Joes. Hashtag yeah. May the Joes be with you. That's right. So, okay, so let's just get into this, Joe. There was something that I came across. Uh, I like listening and watching Candace Owens on Instagram and stuff. And she mm. was doing an interview with somebody. I don't know who that somebody was, but they were talking about how some of the things are just kind of crazy that are being purported out in the in the media. And uh, yeah. and so, anyway, so those of you that don't know, that don't know, Candace Owens is a is a black lady. She's about thirty years old, thirty one years old. Uh, she's recently married. Uh, she's almost nine months pregnant. She's about to have her first child, and uh, and uh, and she is a conservative, like she's a conservative activist. Is that like an activist for conservatism? Would you say about that's pretty I, much? I it? would say that, or a pundit, maybe. Is that the yeah. right word? For I don't know. People I, in the media that are like news reporter. Yeah, I don't know speakers. what the word is specifically, but she's yeah. she's out there trying to put some logic to things that seemingly have no logic yeah so wikipedia refers to as an american conservative author commentator and political activist yeah okay so she during this interview she brought up that the 
National African American Museum of History and Culture that I believe is sponsored by the Smithsonian or maybe uh, the Smithsonian is it's part of them. Yeah, I believe it's it's that whole uh, that whole conglomerate maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna probably sound really ignorant if I get this wrong, but is okay. that not where that museum is where they they put up that uh, beautiful like granite marble statue of uh, Martin Luther King? I don't I don't know that specifically. Okay. I, this is the only thing I knew that was up at this uh, at this museum. I didn't know anything else just because I, I didn't I didn't even know that this was a place. I mean, yeah, so there, there I think it was. Um, I could I guess I could look it up here in a second, but yeah, no, I think it's it's not been around like for all of eternity, but yeah, it is something that that was started a while back ago, and I heard it's be- like a lot of great exhibits. Yes, no, I've I've heard that recently after looking into it, but I didn't even know that it existed, yeah. right? So, anyways, but they put up a uh, they put up a chart or picture or a diagram, whatever you want to call it, of uh, white dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people and their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. That was the opening statement description of what this chart is. And so... Of course, Candace Owens brought this up, and she said, this is crazy how how this chart is out there. Right. And so, anyways, I didn't I didn't believe her at first. I thought she was making something up, or she was rational, or like generalizing something. And so I went and found it, and I found this chart. And we'll put it up on Facebook and stuff, and uh, just, to, just to have it as a reference. But there is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. There are 14 like categories that talk about mm-hmm. what, it is to, what it is to be white in America or in the United States. And I'm just sitting back thinking, after reading half of this, I don't know if I'm white. Well, I mean, I mean, I think I might not be white well, based on based on this chart. Well, I mean, it is 2020. It is 2020. And people are identifying as whatever they want to identify I mean, as. Well, I mean, here it is. Uh, we live in a day and age of people living their truth. So, yeah. Living in their truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's fair. So. So do you want to you want to go over a couple of these things? You bet, man. I, so I, just, I will say um, just out the gate. Yeah. When you first uh, told me about it, I again thought it had to be some parody. I was really, yeah. I was like, well, surely this is not real. Yeah, this uh, is a this the, is a real chart that's out there. But the thing that you found that she referenced, I mean, actually, it does have the seal. Yeah. Oh of, yeah. Of, of the the museum and, and the Smithsonian stuff on it. So I got to tell you, it's a little bit troubling for me because, um, and we'll get into this in a second. But just like my off the cuff thing was like, man, I I don't. While we're in a, in um, we're at a time in which a lot yeah. of people are exploring. What does um, institutional racism mean? Yeah. You know, what are the differences culturally between different uh, populations within the country and and how that uh, how everyone interacts with each other? You yeah. know, uh, all these different institutions, socially, economically, et cetera. Um, I got to tell you, I think um, I think this document, man, I think it's it's it's, it's uh, harmful. It's very harmful, in my opinion. But I think it's also pretty humorous. And that's where I want to go with it. 
Oh, for sure. I don't think. I, mean, I don't from think satirical. That, that's why it looks like it's satire. I don't think that anybody that reads this can take it serious, at all. I don't think anybody that reads this can be like, oh yeah, all white people do that, you know. And then if you don't do that, you're not white, or whatever. Like I, I, that's what this comes off as. And I just don't think that that's. I don't think that anybody can truly take this thing seriously. Okay, so let's just look at uh, let's look at the first category. It's, it's rugged individualism. Rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit. Self-reliance, independence, and autonomy are highly valued and rewarded. Individuals assume to be in control of their environment, a.k.a. you get what you deserve. If you fall under that category, if that's what you believe in terms of individualism, you are you are white. Or I guess you've inherited whiteness in some capacity. Well, I think, you know, and, and it's really funny hearing you read back the the the, the beginning of that document uh-huh. kind of made me look at it in a little bit of a different light just now. Okay. Um, I think some of these, if, if you wanted to make the argument that some of these at one point in time were embodied in what the quote-unquote American culture was, uh-huh. I think, okay, I could see that. Okay. Um, some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. How many did I, how many categories say like, there was? There's a bunch. And then each one has several bullets inside of it, I guess, either yeah, defining yeah, yeah. it or clarifying what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I just think as, as multicultural as the country is, mm-hmm. I have a hard time myself understanding, and it could be, you know, my ignorance. Yeah. Uh, on how those are associated to um one specific culture. Yeah. Like see and that's my deal, is that this whole thing is First of all, culture has so many different potential avenues. It is not just based on the color of your skin. Culture is based on the environment you were raised in. It's based on uh, potentially traditions that your family has done for years, depending on uh, depending on either where they're from or what holidays or religion that they, uh, uh, you know, observe. Right. So culture is is about how you how you are on a regular basis and w- explains why you do some of the things you do in in general circumstances. Culture is not skin color because there are several people that are that that act different than what their culture based on skin color alone would say that they do. I mean, in my opinion, well, I mean, you also have diverse populations where you could have multiple cultures within um, a geographical location where people had the same skin pigment. Right. And that's kind of my point is yeah. that your culture is about is about your upbringing. Generally speaking, it's about your upbringing. It's about traditions. It's about habits. It's about uh, environment. It's about influences around you, etc. Yeah. And so that's the culture in which you were brought up in. So anyways, uh, family structure was next. Family structure, it says the nuclear family, father, mother, two to three children, is the ideal, ideal social unit. Husband is the breadwinner and head of the household. Wife is homemaker and subordinate to the husband. Children should have their own rooms, be independent. Well, let's just go ahead and say, uh, I was not the breadwinner. And I was, okay, I was the head of the household according to taxes. Uh Wife was not a homemaker, definitely not subordinate to the husband. 
Uh, uh, that's fair. Children, uh, one of my, two of my children share a bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I mean, according to this, I, I'm not white. According to the family structure, I, I don't have a white family structure, and that doesn't make any sense to me. That that this is like what you're like assuming. If you see a white person, oh, okay, well, that, that man is, is the head of this household. His wife doesn't work, and she's subordinate to him, and he's got two to three kids. Each have their own room. Well, to me, that that's really blurring lines. Like, if you want to talk about, like, a, a, a patriar- patriarchal, is I'm saying that right? It's close. It's the closest patriarchal. you've ever been to yeah, a, I mean, a, a difficult word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> patriarchal. Oh, this is really frustrating. Patriarch, patriarchal? No, it's not article no. like the article no. on the paper. I know. Yeah, I think it's patriarchal. It's what you're going for. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, but you're talking about you're talking about patriarch as far as the father figure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that type of culture, you know that I, that that's what that is. I don't really consider that to be a. Um, Listen, if we're being know, honest, you you've never had a patriarch in your family until maybe you. Well, my grandfather. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. You had your grandfather, but uh, once you once you met Katie and your life took off, I mean, you were then the, the patriarch of what you yeah. were starting to establish, but you didn't really have that except for your grandfather, and your grandfather isn't supposed mm-hmm. to be your father figure. That's fair. He's supposed to be, he's just supposed to be the one that supports you and, and, and like, tells you everything's possible and has good time with you, yeah, generally yeah. speaking. And so, anyways, uh, but uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's I, I don't um, I don't I don't see that that is that's just a white thing, right? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff that uh, part of the the black society. Patriarchy. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, what I'm that's to the say. one you're going for. Yeah, patriarchy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, really close to malarkey. Yeah. Well, so uh, there, there's been some things since like the, uh, let's call it the, what is it, the 50s, and maybe since the 60s, something like that, that the the unit in the black community in general has been a single-parent household, okay? Uh, and generally speaking, I've seen some things on Instagram where the uh, the exceptions to that rule don't really have a voice, like they get they get shunned or they get uh, really not listened to because they didn't experience the same things that I, we're going to put quotes around what everybody else experienced. And I'm like, and to me, that's that's just a thing that it's it, this right here. This family structure has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has to do with the dedication between a husband and a wife whenever they become husband and wife. Are they going to have that structure, that family structure, or not? Well, I, I think it's relevant to a lot of the stuff we've heard talked about this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is stuff that's been talked about for a long time. Yep. But, um, you know, from referencing Candace Owens, you know, I've heard her speak several times about what she feels has been the attack on the home of African-Americans, you uh-huh. know, around that period of time. There was a lot of prosperity building. Yeah, even in segregated communities. Right around that um, period of time, it was like twenty percent of the homes were single parent homes, and eighty percent were two parent homes. Yeah, and then that stat has basically flip flopped now. Yeah, because I mean, men and young men 
Uh, they were being targeted. Yeah. Um, and then there were incentives basically put into place to you know, promote uh, single family homes. Right. And uh, Joe Biden was all about that. So uh, the next one I'm going to go on to is emphasis on the scientific method, which I don't really understand why that is the descriptor here because it doesn't have anything on here about I'm making a hypothesis or anything. Like that. <laughs> Anyways, it says objective, rational, linear thinking cause and effect relationships, and quantitative emphasis. Now, quantitative emphasis means you're looking at statistics or you're looking at numbers to explain whatever the thing is you're trying to explain. Okay? Uh, so anybody in sports, everybody in sports is white because they have quantitative emphasis in sports. That's, that's I mean, to me, that's what, the, that's how, that's how, not rational this little section is. Oh, yeah. If you think objectively, like something is right or wrong, if you think rational, like there's a reason for something to be done, uh, if you think that one thing is a cause and the effect that it cr that it creates or that comes from it, there's a relationship there, then you are, then you're white. Or you are, you are filled with whiteness. Filled with whiteness. Well, you know, I think the the what to me is frustrating about this document is if you wanted to talk about where did where did some of the cultural components pillars, if you will, uh -huh. uh, of early America, where do they come from? Yeah. Um, if if you wanted to say some of them were possibly founded in Christianity, uh huh. I say okay, that's fair. There's a lot of people that wanted to come here to practice freedom of religion that didn't want to be forced to be sure. You know, Catholic or the Church of England, you know, uh -huh. Protestant Revolution, all that kind of good stuff. Yep. Um, but uh, you could also say that oh, the European and influence. Yeah. Okay. Um, but to me, and, and again, I could be, I could be speaking ignorantly here, but yeah, um, probably the effects of uh, colonizing uh -huh. um, far exceed um, the, your skin tone. Yeah. You know because. Going back, going back to the the times of the Bible, uh -huh. you had the same basic colonization happening. That's true. And then when you saw Rome take power, you you saw what they did. So all the different areas that were settled and occupied and conquered by Rome, uh -huh. culturally, those societies began taking on some of those components, and they're still deep rooted. Um, same thing with South uh, Latin America and South America. Yep, they were colonized by. Portuguese and the Spanish. Yeah. Um, and their cultures are, are, are heavily influenced by their history, their past. Right. And yeah. so then when you look at the areas, um, French New Guinea and then some of the, the countries in Africa, uh -huh. colonized by the French. Yeah. So culturally, they had those impacts. Same thing with the English. Same thing with the Portuguese. You yeah. know, I had a, a friend that I, I worked with for a number of years, Lower Death Manuela, and she's from Tanzania. Mm hmm. Um, which is in Africa, and of course, um, they were settled or occupied or, co or colonized by Portugal. Uh -huh. So she knows Portuguese, yeah, right? You know, how so, about uh, that? Yeah. Right. So how about uh, that? How about that? That just you are defined by your upbringing. You are defined by your environment. You are not defined just because of the color of your skin. But but to that though, what these these countries, these mega powers did, uh -huh. whether it be Rome, whether it be. Um, you know the Saxons, uh -huh. uh, whether it, whether it be the British, right? You know, um, what they did was indiscriminate, in my opinion, 
Uh, it had nothing to do with the color of your skin. It had to do with the people in the oligarchy. It had to do with the people that were in power. Yeah. Because there were plenty, I mean, there were countries of all colors that were occupied and had horrendous things done. I mean, take Scotland, for example. Uh-huh. Uh, pale skinned, yep. you know, gingers. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like the Irish. Right. And horrible things uh, were done to those people yep. uh, in the name of the crown and in the name of England. There, there was um, deep-rooted uh, inequality. So you're, you're basically them. referencing the movie Braveheart right now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was another one uh, that came uh, out. That with, King, Chris Pine. Yeah, with Chris Pine, right. So yeah. uh, he was Robert the Bruce, and it, it took place yeah. right after Braveheart, basically. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was the, uh, it was the trying to overcome the tyranny— or whatever that was being imposed on them from a place just like the American Revolution. Yeah. Whenever we were trying to, we, I say we, whenever the people in America were trying to separate themselves from the British rule. And it was a lot of the same basic things that you're saying. Whenever one place tries to conquer or control another place, they pretty much treat the indigenous or they treat the people they're trying to conquer terribly. That's basically what you're saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, the same thing happened with the, the Soviet Union. But then the influence from that, from mm-hmm. the people that remain or the, the things that remain from that time period, there's there remains influence over time. Like, it has yeah. to happen. Yeah, same thing in Asia, you know, with the different places that the China, China conquered, mm-hmm. you know, versus The Japan different dynasties and all that stuff that were yeah. around for so long. Absolutely. So here's a couple that I don't disagree with because, it, I mean, it, it makes— Let's call it geographical, historical sense. History and religion. Based on North European immigrants experiencing the United States, heavy focus on the British Empire, the primary, uh, I'm sorry, the primacy of Western and Judeo-Christian tradition. And then religion, Christianity is the norm. Anything other than Judeo-Christian tradition is foreign and no tolerance for deviation from, from a single God concept. Well, number one, uh, we are living in a time where if you are intolerant of much, you pretty much don't have a social life. Or even a career. Yeah, or potentially not even a career. So uh, I think that one's a little weird. No tolerance for deviation from a single God concept. Obviously, me and you believe in one God. Uh, but, uh, okay, if if you think there's a god of the water, and if you think there's a Poseidon and a, a Zeus, okay. what I mean, what's that going to do for me well, if I, I disagree with you? Like, what's it going to do to you if I disagree with you? Well, I think it's—I I will say, uh, from an interesting, interesting perspective here, I think there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to, like, Buddhism and Hinduism. You know, we learned a little bit about it in school, um, you know, and I'm sure there, there's people that—it's uh, it's probably more— uh, widely known here, uh-huh. you know, but people, I, th- I think the aesthetically it's looked at much more fun shui, less the God of this, the God of that, well, you know what I mean? And that's probably true. All I'm saying, I mean, I was just bringing up, you know, Greek mythology or Roman mythology. Or oh whatever. no, but I'm saying, but there are modern day pagans. Absolutely. And there are. I'm saying that actually though, uh, pagans. I, yeah. M- uh, modern day pagans. Yeah. And there's, what are modern day pagans? Modern day pagans. Yeah. What's a pagan to you? I'm gonna need you to find the word pagan. Yeah, so a, a pagan uh, is is uh, someone believing in multiple gods. Okay. So so the I don't know if I don't know enough about it. I, I've known uh-huh. some. Yeah. But um, that still believe in like sorcery and. Oh, okay, okay. I'm you know just what I mean? Sure. 
uh, witches and Wiccans. I thought you were. Ar- I thought you were just automatically condemning people. That's my fault. Oh no, no, no. That's but, my fault for listening. But there's still a stigma around it. And I, I saw. Mm. I had a wonderful. Uh, worked with a, a wonderful woman. She's very kind. Um, and I didn't realize this, but she was she was pagan, and I think her her significant other was considered to be like a shaman or a okay, you know, like a wizard of some yeah, sorts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. they celebrated uh, like the different solstices and stuff, like you know things that you would see in olden time England, right. you know, in Rome and yeah, absolutely, uh, in Greece and stuff. And um, so she, uh, we were doing this ornament exchange thing uh-huh. every year. It was, it was a lot of fun. Everybody looked forward to it, mm-hmm. uh, where you, you can steal it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so she brought uh, this ornament, and it was a, a shell, and then it was it had two feathers okay. glued on backwards like crossways. Right. So this was her interpretation of an angel. And so she's participating in this holiday fest, yeah, this yeah. little thing. And um, I was shocked because, like, I'd known some some people were kind of tacky, uh-huh. uh huh. And they they might have been rude to her or not as nice as her as they could have been because of her mm. different beliefs. Yeah. Um, but when it came to this ornament, like, there was like grown women mocking, yeah, and and being horrible. So I mean, yeah. I, I, well, and that's listen, that's a lot of my point is that, I mean, people aren't who they are because of what they look like. People are who they are because of how they act. Generally speaking, when someone acts like an idiot, when somebody acts stupid, when somebody steps out of line, the response is to correct that. And then that's where your conflict comes up. Your conflict comes up when someone does something in poor taste or in bad behavior, and then they get corrected when they don't want to be corrected because they want to continue doing what's generally considered some some measure of of uh, unacceptable behavior for the situation, and so my my point is is that people, generally speaking, are treated poorly because of how they act, not just because of what they look like. Now, would I be blind or would I be uh, a little? Uh, you know, not open to the idea of some people out there treating others simply because of what they look like, because they've made their own stereotypes or they've made their own prejudgments or prejudices or whatever. Absolutely, that exists. But my point is, in the grand scheme, if you're taking 300 million people in the United States, there is a small percentage of people that treat others simply because of the color of their skin. There's a small percentage of that. Most people treat others the way that they have uh, acted in a way that deserves a specific type of treatment, whether that's good or bad, <laughs> well, I'm like gonna, reward or punishment type of treatment. I think that for the, I think on the, on the, I think for the most part, people, when it comes to how they interact with people they get to know, or yeah. when there's a personal interaction, yeah, I do believe that people are for the most part judging people by their actions, their merit, their soul, who they are. I will say though, like, I do believe that we we do have cultural. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't believe this to be racial, and that, that that does exist. But I like I consider it more social, economical, or cultural yeah. biases and prejudices. So, uh, for example, if I'm if if you were driving through um, an affluent part of town, uh huh, um, you may be listening to the radio up, and you might be having your uh, you know radio up windows down. Okay. Um, if you were going through 
um, a part of town where you saw bars on all the windows and you saw, you know, like liquor store, uh-huh. check cashing place right. on every corner. You know, you saw uh, people that were uh, panhandlers, uh-huh. you know. You, you, there's a good chance you'd roll your windows up. Okay. Make sure your doors are locked. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so what you're doing at that point in time is you are exhibiting your own prejudices and stereotypes that you've put out there, that or that you have internally. Yeah, or, yeah, that whether they come from... The media? Yeah, or just how, you know, you're culturally how you were brought up. Right, or, uh, or whether they come to. from... Just your experiences specifically. Yeah. Like, what? Well, let's say you go to that part of town where it's where it's uh, the bars on the windows. If something bad happened to you, you're going to have a negative feeling whenever you go through that part of town. If right. something if something bad never happened to you there, then if you act differently than you would in a different place, it's because of your stereotypes and it's because of your prejudices. Right. So what I'm saying is those exist. I think in most people. In some form or fashion. Sure. And they're not from deep-seated hatred. Sure. They could be from ignorance. They could be from experience. They could be from a lot of different things. So I, th- I think to some of that is, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think some of it's still relative. And yeah. I think we have a long way to go as a society to move past all those things. Yeah, sure. But I think ignorance begets ignorance. Yep. And so when, what I've always struggled with um, is, is things like this. Okay. Like what you're talking about. Sure. Where it's saying, okay... We're taking all these characteristics, we're taking all these personality traits or all these cultural things, and yeah. we, are, we are pinpointing on one specific quote-unquote race. Yeah. Similarly, when you look at how we are consistently um, broken down into all these different boxes, Yep. we want to know what are scores, scoring in education yeah. by race and by sex. Yep. We're <laughs> wanting to see what uh, earnings are. Uh, in the different uh, job markets yeah. by race yeah. and by sex. Like that's the listen to me that's the problem is once you start when you start to categorize everything by race there is an underlying internal race stereotype that's being put out there and projected and then it automatically also creates some sort of racism or racist type of response. And that's the problem. And it, it may not be a racist in terms of in terms of people, you know, treating others poorly, it may be the perceived people are racist against me or racist against people like me because of this. And so they become defensive and they uh, try to figure out how to not have that feeling that people around them are racist or whatever. It works both ways. Like if there's institutional racism, then okay, there's people that treat people poorly. And then there's people that act one way because they feel like they're about to be treated poorly. It ha- it's on both sides of that argument. I think anytime you're looking at integrating, um, I think there's a time and a place uh, and a period of time to measure certain things to ensure you want to have a, a pulse on things to make sure that extreme prejudice doesn't exist. Yeah. But my thing is, is so for the better part of uh, for half a century uh-huh. since the Civil Rights Act and, and, and desegregation. Right. We've been monitoring these things and they haven't got a whole lot better. Sure. And I think it's because we're, we're I, I personally think we're looking at them wrong. Now, I'll go back to Candace Owens, like a lot of what she talks about, like with the family unit and a lot of the things um, culturally that need to change. Yep. Um, and not just with African-Americans, but across the board. Sure. A lot of these situations are because people are disadvantaged. And yep. so then you have to start asking, why are they disadvantaged? Uh-huh. Are they, in fact, disadvantaged because of where they were born? Mm-hmm. Um, 
like, like what country they were born in, mm-hmm. or are they disadvantaged because of the color of their skin, or are they they disadvantaged because of the situation they were born into, the situation they're living in. Yep. And I think that um, we, we're we're trying to we're, we're we're trying to put lipstick on a pig. Man, call, I think we're call it something different. I think we're trying to I think we're trying to put emphasis in a specific place when emphasis needs to be spread equally everywhere to address all these little things we're talking about. Well, if I'm growing up and I'm being, I mean, I, I think we all have our own baggage for different reasons, mm-hmm. but if I'm, if I've, because a lot of what all's taken place, uh, the past several years, but especially this last year, I, I know myself, I've tried to do a lot of introspective looking sure, to try to better understand, better empathize with the people in my life that I care about. Yeah. Um, that, that feel felt much more directly affected by a lot of these things going sure. on. Sure. And, and so, you know, not to get into it, but even the topic of our old high school, that's been so controversial as mm-hmm. of late. I, I, if I'm in those 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 positions, those situations, if if I was growing up in that facing some of those challenges, I think I'd have a lot of questions like why 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 are we why are we looking at what like why does my test score equate to my skin color? Yeah, you know, like absolutely, like why that that, that to me because that to me implies that the the institutions uh-huh. have predetermined uh-huh. that all children are not equal, right? That all children are not capable of doing the same thing. Right. That's the type and of that's stuff what that needs I to struggle change. with. That's the type of stuff that needs to change. Because we should be. I mean, I would listen. Think how many know. times? How many times have you heard someone heard two people talking or whatever, and uh, you know they're talking about somebody. Somebody did something, and then somewhere in that conversation, the question comes up: Well, was he black? Was he white? Was he Hispanic? Like, what's the relevance of that type of? I've been I've been in or around a conversation where that question has come up, and it it's a it's a unfortunate thing because at that moment you're placing emphasis on what they look like, and you're you're automatically assuming that because of the behavior they have to be they have to fall in one category or the other based on their skin color. And their behavior, like you think that there's one tied to the other, and in in all reality, they don't tie together at all in any way, shape, or form. People act. Listen, first of all, high school kids act stupid because they're high school kids. If they have a poor home life, or if they have a maybe if they have a I get everything I want home life, whatever. Uh, all those kids, in some way, act really, really dumb. And it has nothing to do with what they look like. It has to do with how they respond to the teacher or the principal or whomever. And uh, whenever they break a rule, do they? Is there a positive response? Is there a a, a response of you know what? I did break the rule. I'm going to fix it. Or nope, that rule doesn't apply to me. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter male, female. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. I've had horrible kids of all colors, of all gender. Which there's only two, and then I've all, I've I've had horrible responses by kids f- throughout my 13 years. Whenever they do something, when they step out of bounds, when they when they break a rule and do something that they should not have done, and it doesn't matter. And so, unfortunately, all of our office referrals broken down by race. Really broken down by or or race or ethnicity or. Um, economically disadvantaged and all this stuff. And we're trying to find why that is. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's possible. 
I don't think that it's possible. Let's just take me and you, for example, okay? Me and you, both white guys, mm-hmm. both 36, uh, what, we're two months apart, almost mm-hmm. like, exactly, and uh, grew up in the same area, mm-hmm. same basic part of town, and then my parents stayed together, still are together. You, you're, you, I don't even, you don't know your real dad, do you? You don't know. Really, I mean, just you don't yeah, really know him statistically breaking down. Right. You, you had a, a non, you had a, you had a biological father that walked. Right. So you had a mom who made it, had a choice between, you know, in the early eighties aborting or, or carrying her child. Right. And she chose me thankfully. Yep. Um, and then you had, uh, the man I called my dad. Right. Um, who was a criminal. Right. Who was abusive. Right. Um, had my, my brothers and my sisters. Right. Um, that, that marriage ended after some incarceration, thankfully. Right. Um, your mom was able to get out of it. Right. Um, and then we move into a relationship with a step parent who was not the best. Yeah. Uh, we'll always care about him, but he not always the best. Sure. Um, but, you know, again, got a bunch of brothers and sisters. Uh, and then again, single again. So, I mean, like growing up, I mean, like, for example, uh, your parents worked. Yep. Uh, had jobs with insurance. Uh-huh. Blue collar, you know, paid in cash type of stuff, month newspapers. We were on welfare, man. So Right. So food I mean, stamps and, so that, and going to Parkland and Well, so nowadays if I'm walking around with my two parents, the way that we'd go play baseball and stuff and mom, mom and dad always had a decent car and never was the best. Uh I think one time my dad uh, in his late late 50s maybe bought a Corvette just because he said he wanted to. Uh he kept that thing and it was it was like a six seven year old used Corvette, mm-hmm. um, had a lot of miles on it. He was only able to afford it because of the mileage, and then he kept it uh, for about three months because him getting in and out of a small car was absolutely insane. And of course, by this time, me and my brothers are grown. Uh, I think I was out of the house before my parents turned fifty, uh, and so they had just themselves and their paychecks and stuff to deal right. with for owning themselves. Anyways, but before that, it was you're, you're talking a minivan or a, a station wagon type of car or whatever, and uh, and my dad was a mechanic, so he made sure the cars ran well, and they didn't have to be the best because he could fix them up and make them run the best. And so, anyways, but if you if nowadays you saw me and my parents walking around going to going to baseball and stuff, you would say that you would say that I was privileged. Well, my dad worked like eighty hours a week, and my mom, if she at whenever I was little, if she had a job, it was at like the daycare, so it was free daycare, like so they didn't have to pay for my daycare because my mom worked there. And then once I went to public school, and they didn't have to potentially pay for daycare, I was the third child. Then my mom was able to get a job where she actually still works there. She's now twenty five so or so years into that job, and my dad's on uh, my dad's on like forced retirement disability type stuff because of his heart. And so, but you would say that, that I was privileged, but the funny thing is, is they'd say you were privileged too, because that's, well, look at how big your family was just from the outside looking in. Right. And so, but what, but what they don't see, what nobody does see is the real struggles that actually do exist through there. My dad, he had some horrible luck. Uh, He tried to play the stock market a little bit. I mean, nearly bankrupt us. At one point, I was real little, and uh, but I remember the fight in the kitchen when he he 
bought some shares of something. I don't even remember what it was. But I think he was trying to deal in commodities, and he barely had any money, any savings, because he worked so hard. He had to spend. He, we lived paycheck to paycheck. And so he nearly bankrupt whatever savings they had, and it was a huge fallout. I remember the fallout in the kitchen. And so since then, he's been extremely extremely diligent to try to make sure that every penny that was extra goes into savings and hopefully remains there. And he's made some mistakes along the way, but that's my point, is people are treated, people are, uh, uh, people are a result of what they do and how they act and all this other stuff. And then the outside things affect them based on that, generally speaking. Well, see, so, you know, I think, you know, shout out to Superfan. When we were exploring the average group, I really enjoyed a lot of the material that, that uh, Chris had shown us and uh, even some of, uh, you know, his peers and mentors, uh, you know, get to watch some of their speaking engagements and stuff. Because the whole idea of generational wealth, yeah, it, it is a game changer. I mean, for example, you know, like if um, I'm trying to think how to say this. So like now, like I worked really hard to make sure my kids had health insurance, private health insurance. Mm-hmm. I remember fighting with the state of Texas on getting Jordan off of chips. Yep. They said, well, no, you're good to go. You can be on chips. I said, no, I have insurance now. I worked really hard for this. I want my boy on my insurance. Right. They're like, no, it's completely fine. You're young. You don't make a lot of money. Right. I don't care. I don't care. Right. I'm putting him on my insurance because I've worked hard for this. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I got hurt in football in high school. Right. I had to go to the, the Carter Center, like, over off of first behind first like where the old like back when the it, they called it that i think because carter high school was there it was like the the black high school in garland like it's hard to imagine they actually had one of those oh, i didn't uh, yeah. even, i didn't even know that yeah before desegregation and everything oh, and so I see. uh but um but that was like where parkland's outpost was <laughs> in garland uh. and so it was going to be like a three or four month wait for me to get mri on my back ah uh. okay well yeah uh, we, we barely had a working car right you know, so it wasn't, I mean, so first the weight and then like, how am I going to go get down there? Right, right. So I was like, okay, we're going to, uh, I'm not going to play football. Right. And I'm going to, you know, hope and pray this thing works itself out type of thing. Whereas like when my kids have had injuries. Right. Um, I, mean, I don't want to make it sound like I wasn't afforded medical care. I, I was, but it's a little bit different. Like sure. now, okay, I'm going to go to this doctor. I'm going to go to this specialist. I'm going to go do what I got to do. Sure. That's a choice I've tried to work towards. Sure. Uh, But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like when you look at some of these other things, like with different populations or quote unquote cultures are more susceptible to certain diseases and stuff like that. I really think uh, we're attacked social economically, man. If you don't have access to good health care, if you don't have access to to good food. No, I get that. I, I understand that socioeconomic is probably more of a factor of why the discrepancies are the way they are. It's more most likely a social economic factor as opposed to race, because it doesn't matter where you are. If you are white, Hispanic, black, any any race, if you are suffering socially, uh, it's like social economically, then you are probably there are probably your back is probably up against the wall in a lot of things. And you probably feel overstressed, overworked underappreciated you probably there's probably so much of those things that eat at you every day that make you feel like you're just trying to find a way out and a lot of times the way out may be crime or there may be something bad and at that point in time well then they start classifying everything by race again and it's not 
And it has nothing to do with race. I mean, how many people are incarcerated just simply because they're black? And that's not the case. The case is they're incarcerated generally because of what they did, but where did it happen? It happened in low socioeconomic areas, most likely, and and it was probably a targeted thing where a low socioeconomic area was predominantly black. And so all of a sudden, all these numbers start rising in prisons and stuff, and it just so happens to be that they're predominantly black. And it's 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 it, man, it's a, it's a horrible horrible cycle if you're looking at socioeconomics, and you're and then you're trying to automatically say that it's race. Well, you're you're starting to put emphasis in the wrong place, in my opinion. Well, I I think it's a it's it's not no pun intended. It's not black and white. No pun intended. But like because I think have there been attempts by uh, those in power, who wherever that power is to target uh, certain populations of people. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do believe, I believe that. that. I believe that exists as well. I do believe that. And, and whereas we are a, a, a pick yourself up by the bootstraps, bootstraps type of country. No, 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 no. We'll get to there in a second. Well, no, I, well, I think I, I might be going there. Okay. Um, well, you know, well, uh, the, the, one of the speeches, the other America by Martin Luther King, like uh-huh. I, I I mean, I love it. It's yeah. so it's so, so well said, and unfortunately, still very relevant. Uh, but you know, it talked about like, well, it's hard to pull yourself up by the bootstraps if you don't got any boots. Yeah. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I know how hard I had to work personally uh-huh. to break cycles, and I know how devastated I was when I was unable to succeed in some of those. Absolutely, with, with, a, with a broken home. Absolutely, you know, and 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 so. I guess what I'm trying to say is I know how hard my mom's worked and, and, and my, my siblings. It is hard to break generational cycles, and it doesn't mean that like the generation before you are bad people. Yep. Once you're in a bad loop, it is really, really hard to get out. It's really hard to get out. And, and so, that's regardless of skin color. No, no. What I'm saying is I, I can understand where some people, where they live, yeah. they feel like they have been targeted. Like yeah. this, this environment has been built around them. Yeah. Because of their, the color of their skin, and and I don't know, I, I'm I'm not so I'm not what, in a position to I'm say that that wasn't the case 50 years ago, yeah, and that they're still in this situation because this quote unquote institution was built around them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that 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 never happened or that's still not present. I think there's a lot more people that are about equality and helping each other out than there there were 50 years ago. If that, sure. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I, I agree with that. 50 years ago, things were. Uh, uh, a lot less, um, uh, well, I would say there was a lot less sensitivity 50 years ago, even though I was, we weren't, clearly weren't around. We were 15 years pre-thought. But uh, uh, a lot less sensitivity to Quick math. to things that don't matter. Like, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to really uh, say anything, but like a tweet. People get so upset about a, just a tweet that, the newspaper article or whatever didn't like evoke that type of response 50 years ago. If some, if a newspaper article had a, a quote in it that was, you know, disagreed, widely disagreed with, it was generally a disagreement, not a feelings hurt, completely offended. We got to cancel this tweet account or this Twitter account or whatever. 
and completely disown and, and ban them from the internet. It, like the sensitivities now are so heightened, and it, I mean an entitlement comes into play there. But I guess I guess my point is is that somebody in your family made a bad decision 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's hard for the next couple generations to get out of the repercussions of that bad decision. And I think that's what you were saying. Yeah, I, th- I don't think privilege necessarily comes from your skin color as much as it comes from like you, like your wealth or your circumstances. Right. Yeah, I think that can give you a leg up. But I, I want to be clear, <laughs> though, uh, are, are some people are, are some people disadvantaged and their life thrown in a different trajectory because of prejudice they're shown unequivocally. Yes, that is the case. Yeah, I I would totally agree with that. And I think something, the the best parallel for us maybe seeing something is close to what happened then was, I think, after 9-11. Yeah. Pre-9-11, I don't remember a whole lot of animosity towards people that are of Middle Eastern descent. Yeah. I know... You know, there was a there was a family that ran uh, the Highland Food Store on Fifth Street. Me and my grandfather went in all the time. We were working on houses, loved them to death. You know, uh, I think I've talked a couple of different times about being really fortunate to have friends that were to, to know people that were Muslim and, and or Middle Eastern. Yep. Growing up in school, uh, and and how you'd see a bunch of kids who knew nothing about Ramadan be all concerned about their friend that couldn't eat or drink. Right. Like, what can we do to support you? Yeah. You know, so. Um, it was great. Then nine eleven happened, and then there was a lot of prejudice being shown. It was, and, it was like an in, instant shift, and and it was it was horrible. I would say that nine eleven basically paralleled Pearl Harbor. Yes, to so what happened to Asian Americans. You're right, absolutely. And and I think so. Where there's some people that were already pre, uh, they were already ready to be racist. Like they just needed they didn't need an excuse. Right to jump on that bandwagon unequivocally, yes. They felt more empowered to act out on the right. things that they kept secret, yes. Were there a lot of good people that maybe shied away from someone? Yeah, because of that that reaction they had. To Probably people that looked like this and believed this did horrible things and hurt hurt other people. Yeah, hurt my countrymen or maybe they hurt my yep. family. That probably happened. <laughs> so if I, if I'm going, um, but listen, I'm, the propaganda on the news did all that too. Like they saw somebody wearing a turban or a, a burqa or what I don't know what they're called, but uh, a sari, you know, uh, they automatically assumed like they put out that, you know, this is up to no good, right? And and they made sure that you heard the descriptors, and so when you saw those descriptors, you had in the back of your mind something that the news people you're supposed to trust right. put out there, and I mean. But I guess what I'm saying though is, is 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 we were able to work through that somewhat, and then you even and yeah. then even to that to, to the higher power of that, you have a situation where you still have uh, Sharia law, yep. you still have people uh, practicing certain uh, sects of that faith sure. that are demonstrative to women. They're marrying off children, yeah. rape and and acid, and all these horrible things are still happening uh, that are allowed. Uh, but we're not putting all of them into one bucket. Yep. Uh, everybody who believes that or, or possibly uh, looks the way we think they, they're supposed to look. Yep. Um, but if, going back, I mean, we got I'm trying to think how to think of this. So 50 years ago, uh-huh. or not 50 years ago, what, 60 maybe? Okay, sure. And, like when our parents were born. 60 was in the 60s. Yeah, when our parents were born, things were still segregated. That, yep. that to me is hard to wrap my head around. Right. So it wasn't very long after they were born where that started changing. 
it started like, changing. Like once they became uh, like school age kids, I'd it's, say, I'd say competent school age kids. Right, but in our parents' lifetime, there were still like legal lynchings. Yeah, there no, were still I, Jim Crow laws, and that's and weird. To it me. is very. It's hard to understand yeah. it. And um, see, basketball was one of my favorite sports to grow up, and stereotypically, you know, black people play basketball. Black boys play basketball a lot, and so uh, yeah, okay. I had several friends in basketball, and they were black. And uh, and to me, it's hard to it's hard to even fathom that when my dad was growing up and when he was my age, or you know, at the time I was in middle school, uh, when he was in middle school, that the uh, that could have been frowned upon. Well, it could have been frowned upon, but it also he could have also seen a whites only bathroom or water fountain or something like that somewhere whenever he was walking around and he, you know, he's probably naive to think, Oh, that's normal because he's young. He's, I mean, he's 10 to 12. And so, and that's not normal at all, but it was, you know, it was clearly normalized for a while in America in the, whatever time frame. Blow your mind even more. I mean, you know, we haven't been in a long time, Yep. but the Pedfords are some of the greatest people I've ever known in my life. Oh yeah. Love them to death. Uh-huh. Can you imagine? And again, parents' lifetime. Uh huh. Probably that might, that that might not have been allowed. Or it, I wouldn't say allowed, like worshiping together, but it might not have been very common. Yeah, it could have been very controversial. Right. It's it's hard to fathom. I think about all the educators and all the influences in my life. Yeah, uh, of people that had different skin color than me. But what I'm getting at is, is that if so, if we saw in real time, for those who don't know, the Peppers are a black couple that are. Aged. I mean, they're in their 80s, I think, or close to it. He's a deacon. and Yeah, absolutely. At the church we go to, and yeah. they're phenomenal people. The best. Yeah. Um, and and so, but if we saw that happening in real time on 9-11, uh-huh. how things changed like that. Yeah. And it took a while to, for things to, to kind of, I mean, I, I'm sure it still it exists. It took a while to settle that down. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, look, just look at the movie Team America. Yeah. That was horrible. That was really bad. But so... So, take, so we're we're saying fifty maybe years, mm-hmm. sixty years. <laughs> I mean, there's still bad stuff happening, but sure. I'm saying, but like people that are still alive, yeah, uh, people that are within one to two generations mm-hmm. of, of of the youngest of our generations, sure, experience some of the the worst things we could even think of, sure, um, and their parents and grandparents were slaves, yeah. So if we still have a ways to go uh, from the perspective of like if, if there's a, if some places culturally mm-hmm. white people bad. Yeah. I don't I don't believe I'm a bad person. Yeah. But I'm saying, I, OK, OK, like I, I can understand where there's some um, animosity. Well, there's still embedded this I, embedded idea of, of of there's two different classes. Yeah. There's two different worlds. I, I'm saying, I guess, as a country, we still it's OK um, or I shouldn't say it's okay. I can see where, you know what I mean? Where there's, it's still going to, you know, you say, you know what I mean? Just to yeah, not be I able know. to finish a thought. I do. I do agree okay. with that. Uh, you but know what I mean, I mean, Hey, you okay though? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So anywho, I appreciate uh, you asking. I care. Um, so <laughs> I guess I'm, I, ugh, now you've got me all jumbled. Joe boo. <laughs> Um, I believe that there are still, um, 
things things in society yeah. uh, that are not uh, as easily resolved as we might all hope they would have been. Absolutely. And I think some of these things can can lead to these other things. But here's here's my biggest problem. Okay, and I'm cutting you off because you're having a hard time wrapping that up. That's fine. Here's my biggest thing. My biggest thing is the double standard that exists, which is the creation of this chart. The double standard that exists that says. Uh, if a black person says it against a white person, it's not racist. But if a white person says it against a black person, it is racist. If a woman says it against a man, then it's not sexist. But if a man says it against a woman, it is sexist. There is a double standard between uh, groups of people, reg- whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it potentially is both, uh, any of that, whether it's relig- religious groups, one or the other. There is There are double standards that uh, that basically say that this chart was okay to print. Now, for those of you who, hey, listen, if you've made it this far, number one, we appreciate it, but uh, this chart has since been taken down because there was a lot of controversy and a lot of stuff uh, said negatively about it, and I guess the PR people uh, decided it was best to take it down. But here's some of the la- like the most laughable things, in my opinion, about this chart. You ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, whiteness is defined by hard work being the key to success. Uh, if you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. Your wealth equals your worth, which I agree with that numerically. Okay. Not, um, not who you are as a person, not what you are worth in the eyes of your friends. Okay. But what you're worth in terms of your net worth. Does that make sense? Your job is who you are. I don't really get that one. Uh, you respect authority. Whiteness uh, deems that we respect authority. There's heavy value on ownership of goods, space, and property. I don't know who you are, but any child, if you steal their sneakers from school, there's going to be an uprising of biblical proportions because everybody that I know who owns something that they spent their own money on, they they have a heavy value on on the ownership of that. Uh, planning for the future. Progress is always best. Uh, delayed gratification. So tomorrow will be better. Uh, they follow rigid time schedules. Time is viewed as a commodity, which you don't get more time. Like time is the only thing you can't replace. Uh, and then... Uh, I'm going to skip over a couple of the others just because it, it kind of mimics some of the other uh, um, European stuff that we talked about. But competition, be number one. Win at all costs. There's a winner and loser dichotomy. Uh, action orientation. Uh, must always do something about a situation. Uh, majority rules and in parentheses when whites have the power. Which I think that... M- that actually may have been the most controversial bullet of the whole thing because why would you make that a parenthetical statement if it wasn't some kind of a jab, right? And so, anyways, there's just... Uh, right, communication. Avoid conflict or intimacy. Don't show emotion. Don't discuss your personal life and be polite. Like, that's, that's a sign of whiteness. And well, so, many... My point is, is that there are so many people, and it's not just people in America, but there's so many people that do all of those things, and it doesn't matter their skin color. And so, in uh, I mean, Americans are basically the biggest conglomerate 
of cultures in the world because of the migration or immigration or whatever of people trying to leave certain places to get away from poverty or get away from uh, injustices or whatever, or people just trying to start over and start new. Uh, you have all all walks of life came to America, and then, of course, you had the people who were already here, the indigenous people that were already here, and it's it's one of the biggest melting pots of cultures that exists. So to say that your whiteness is defined by all these things, when so many people have these same basic uh, characteristics in their life, to me is is just to me it's laughable because number one, uh, I'm a coach, so all these be number one, win at all costs, winner and loser dichotomy. Uh, action oriented, like to me, I'm a coach. So all that stuff and any coach I talk to, uh, they have that same mentality. And so anyways, uh, I know at the top it says that, uh, it says we've all internalized some aspects of white culture. Like, I think we've just all internalized some aspects of all cultures, Well, I especially th- in the United States. My problem with it is, a lot of what they just talked about there, that's still pr- very prominent in, in Indian culture, Asian culture, uh, African culture, uh, Latin American culture. I mean, like, culturally, those things are, are pretty much, that's everywhere. They're so universal, in my opinion. They are opinion. very universal. And, and that my biggest thing is, like I was telling you, if maybe our initial interpretation of that was wrong, they're not saying it's whiteness. They're saying that these these... This cultural dichotomy that exists here originated from white people. Did you just say cultural dichotomy because you heard the word dichotomy? No. Okay. What does cultural dichotomy mean? It means exactly what I said. This isn't Jeopardy. No, but what does cultural dichotomy mean? I don't know. I've never heard that phrase. Well, so as not to stumble on my words again, I'm going to use a good old-fashioned Google to give you the Webster Dictionary. On this segment of Dead Air. Cultural dichotomy. You got it? Division into two parts or classification, especially when they are sharply distinguished or opposed. The dichotomy between Eastern and Western cultures. Logic, the division of class into two mutually exclusive subclasses. Dichotomy of married people and single people. So what's the the cultural dichotomy you're referring to? White and non-white. Okay. Just asking. Yeah. Just making so, sure. Um, I didn't wh- hear it in that context. That's no, okay. So what they're referring to in that cultural dichotomy, um, I, I don't believe that it's it's valid. I don't think it's even defendable. Um, so you're, you're saying that the chart is a cultural dichotomy? Yeah. Okay. Because they're only talking about whiteness in the chart. Well, they're not they're talking about talking- the dichotomy. But but because they've they've made this list about everything that is white. Okay. They're right. saying they're saying that if you're not on this list or if you oppose this list, then you're the other part of the dichotomy. Yeah, if you're not on the list. Oh, I you know? see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars reference: the light side, the dark side. Gotcha. Um, if you're not one, then you're the other. Right. Uh, but I'm saying the 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 fallacy in that is. Um, is that it, it? Those most of those points on that list are multicultural and origination. Absolutely. They're Listen, universal. most it says the United States, which I think is the first flaw of trying to clarify whiteness in the United States 
and put a bunch of bullets. Like, I mean, there's like 45 bullet points on that. And my point is to try to to try to isolate someone in the United States to their color. There are so many cultures that influenced my upbringing, that influenced my how did I come to be. Like, I don't. I don't know who all influenced my parents or the, my great grandparents or or grandparents or anybody up up to now, and so, but because there has been such a influx of cultures and peoples, regardless of where they came from, everybody here is influenced by all those cultures and it can't just to me that's why I said the United States is like the biggest thing that's the like that's the funniest thing on there whiteness in the United States is actually defined by everything in the world whiteness in the United States is defined by everything in the world so to circle back and put a bow on what I was trying to get to a minute ago and got completely in the weeds um, is things like this (laughs) and those experiences that shape perceptions that are passed on from one generation to another. Yeah. That's why we're, that's why they're so dangerous. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, because that's why we can't move past them because these type of things get ingrained. Yeah. So if you tell somebody something long enough, they're going to start to believe it. True. And so I think we, as a society, we have to do a better job of eliminating divisive, stereotypical, mm-hmm. um, and really prejudicial, prejudicial things like that. Yeah. Um, and start trying to find out ways of of people. How are we more in common? Yeah, you know how are we have have how are we going to help people succeed? Um, because I mean, at the end of the day, man, um, changing changing skin tone ain't going to solve nothing. That's right. That's right. You it ain't going to fix anything. Th- and listen, okay. So that brings up one last thing that I want to talk about about this. Uh, last Friday at school, we had one of those things where you had to answer a bunch of questions by stepping forward or stepping backward or whatever. Uh, how many of those? How many of those questions are like completely socioeconomic? They're, yeah, they're generally questions about were you ever uh, were you ever made fun of because of something you could not control? I took a step back on that one when they said take a step back. Yeah, I have no control over pimples on my face, and I made I was made fun of because of the pimples on my face or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I started taking those things so absolutely literally that I started answering them. And you know what? Hey, I started being in the same place as everybody that was, I guess, targeted in there to, to be able to identify who the, like, who the lack of privilege affected or something like that. I don't know. Whatever it was. Or who the privilege actually did affect. Because there was this one lady who she was like every time you took a step forward, it was a good thing. Like, it was a good thing that happened to you. She, like, took 25 steps forward. It was ridiculous. And she's a white lady, blonde lady from California. She's pencil thin. And it was it was kind of crazy that she fit that specific stereotype that that game was aimed at. I, I saw that demonstrated on, on a YouTube video, I think, what they did, what you're talking about. And it was, it was a really great exercise. Yeah. Um, well, it's a great it, exercise if the questions aren't specifically racial well i I think that's again the fact it it exposes the fallacy in it yeah are there disadvantages in this country yes are there people who have privilege yes all those things exist are they exclusively tied to your skin color no no negative now 
because of all these other institutions. Everybody's things. everybody's putting them tied to skin color after the fact. Well, I, if you wanted to say statistically, yeah, right, certain skin colors fall fall more into those buckets than others. I, I'm not necessarily going to argue that with you, but again, going back, but to, it's a moot point. Well, the, <laughs> in my opinion, it's a moot point to just identify race as the thing that is the reason why you're in the bucket. It, whatever bucket it is that you're talking about, this met- metaphorical bucket. No, no, I, I know. I, I'm there with you. What I'm saying is is I think we have to start looking at how do we, uh, how do we level the playing field for all people in our country. You're starting to sound like a socialist, by the way. No, I'm not. Yeah, okay. Let's it, let's ask. Oh, let's okay, ask, hold on. Let's the laptop's ask going ROC on or whoever. Yeah, so here's so let's here, like Ortezio Cortez. Let's here, ask her no, about leveling when the we, playing when field we real up, quick. When we were growing up, uh huh. One of the things that was ingrained in us uh-huh. is that we're American. We live in America. Sure. If we work hard enough, we can have anything we want. Sure. We can, we can be anybody we want to be. Sure. Okay. So what I'm saying by evening the playing field, okay, we want to make sure that as a country, as a society, that that statement holds true for every person that lives here. You want you know want to know something really funny. What was that? Old Don Lemon on CNN. Don't get me started on that. Fool. I know, but he was he interviewed Morgan Freeman and asked that exact same question. He asked about, do you believe race has something to do with success in America? And he said, today, no. Put your mind to it and go get it. I don't disagree with that. I'm talking about socioeconomic circumstances. I don't think socioeconomic circumstances was neglected in that question well i'm saying i do think people are face much steeper challenges than others out of no choice of their own yeah and i'm when i talk about laying the playing field yeah it's making sure that those those individuals have okay let me have let me let me pose another situation to you okay one of the one of the coaches that i coached with who was in this training with me he's black guy and uh and they were talking about um hard work and decisions to like a job if you can be if you were told that you can be whatever you want to be take a step forward or whatever Mm. and he said uh he said there was clearly a time in my life where i chose to be a teacher and so i'm here yeah it's the phone you're pushing the phone up against the cord here i don't think so let's just move the phone see what happens So, he said, clearly, at one point in time, I made a choice to be a teacher. He said, I had some hardships along the way, and I'm exactly where you're at. Did I have to work harder? Maybe. But I chose to be here. What if I chose to be a doctor? Whatever I chose to be, I worked at it and got where I wanted to be. And I told him the same thing, that that's what I did. I was a junior in high school, and I decided to be a high school teacher and coach. And I worked to be that. I went to school, I went to school, got my degree, and then found a job. And he did the same thing. Was his road to get there easier than mine or harder than mine? Number one, I don't know, because it's completely perspective-based. According to that little game, his road was harder than mine by like a step or two. If we're going to classify that as steps. and But at the end of the day, he worked to get to where he wanted to be. 
and had to overcome some challenges. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is is that, like, school choice, for example, there's uh-huh. a lot of people. We're fortunate. Uh, to some extent, school choice exists here, uh-huh. um, but not, not in its capacity in a lot of other places. My point is, is that um, if you're in a situation where you're, you don't have the same access as other people mm-hmm. because of the zip code you live in or the street that you live on, that's a problem for me. Okay. That's okay. what I'm saying. Like, so, like that to me is something that is correctable. In an age where everybody, I'm not going to say every, I mean everybody, I'm going to overgeneralize for the sake of overgeneralization. If at, when everybody has a cell phone, what access are we talking about? Well, it, it's it's easy to say everyone has a cell phone because most people do have cell phones. I mean, the government even provides cell phones. But does everyone have an iPhone? No. Does everyone have? That's not. That's not. Hold the, on. Let me the finish. thing. Does everyone have internet at home? No. Does everyone have unlimited data on their phone plans? No. So, I mean, there, there's still gaps out there. I'm sure, yeah, absolutely, I'm sure there's still gaps, but they're not racially defined. They're socioeconomically defined. I know, and that's, and again, what I'm talking about is, is I want to see more socioeconomical equality. Yeah. I want to, and I'm not saying that means give everybody a free check. I'm not saying everybody needs to make the same amount of money. Okay. I'm, what I'm for a second to, there, it started sounding like you voted for uh, old Joe Biden what 24 I'm times. To, what I'm trying to say is, is that, um, is that people, People should have equal access uh-huh. to things such as education and such as healthcare. Okay, it needs to be much more affordable. There needs to be. My, I got, I'm gonna take a step back. Now Let's, you're starting to sound like you liked uh, the Obamacare plan, which I you were adamantly do, opposed to. I oh, I still am. Yeah, uh, there okay. are components of the Affordable Care Act that I do support and I oh, do believe in. Oh, uh, but there's a lot of it that I don't. Okay, have um, you ever seen a crawfish? No, I've been publicly. Oh. I've been very consistent with my position. Oh, on this. okay, okay. I recap it for you real quick, just because uh, your question the crawfishing. So, uh, <laughs> do I believe it's constitutional to demand a citizen engage in commerce and or face penalty as a result? No, I don't believe it's constitutional. Oh, I, I disagree see. with Judge Roberts and his decision mm. uh, to support that it was. Um, do I think the Affordable Care Act from a privatized from a public? Uh, a public privatization of healthcare. Uh-huh. Um, do I think it worked unequivocally? No. The plans that the plans that were created the, to meet the Obamacare or the ACA um, requirements were a, a laughing joke. Uh huh. Um, and it and it hurt people who had private insurance. Yeah. So you got people who who didn't have insurance who have some insurance, but it's pretty crappy. Yeah. And people that had good insurance have crappier insurance. Yeah. Um, I can tell you from somebody who grew up on welfare. Uh huh. And Medicaid, you don't want government-run health care. Like, look at me if you're looking at the camera. You do not want that. It's not fun. I work in um, – I've worked in home and community-based services my whole career, nearly 20 years. Yeah. And it's very challenging. My brother, he's received, you know, services, and uh, his, his health care is paid through the government, and it's, it's, it's wretched. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, there's some good components of it. Uh, but what I'm saying is we need to make make the, the best health care more affordable and more approachable. People need to have access to it. Not that they shouldn't pay for it, but they should have access to it. And there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't have access because of a credit score, because of, you know, not being incredibly rich. I'm just saying there needs to be things that are approachable and affordable. We regulate water. We regulate gas. 
Why can't we regulate healthcare? Would you agree? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the podcast, Things You Think You Don't Care About, by Average Joe's Media. You can find us on all social media platforms, all podcasting platforms. And you know what? You can even find us just walking around Garland, Texas. Until next time, I'm the Average Joe Boo. I'm the Average Joe. Telling you to keep it clean. Over in Garland, Texas Things you think you don't care about Is back for season five With brand new guests and fun segments For your entertainment You're gonna have a real good time With the average Joe